Hi, my name is Hanari. I'm a singer-songwriter, and you are listening to Nerd On. Nerd On. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need which you deserve, where all levels of nerd are welcome. Yeah, you are. So let's just get straight into it because I'm very excited for today. So today your hosts are me. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm Tom. I'm Corey still. And I am still Josh. Wow. And this episode hey. is still brought to you in part by the members of the Nerd On Nation <laughs> that is powered by a Patreon. Patreon. As a member of the Nerd On Nation, you do get Fun perks like early uh, access to these episodes. You get bonus episodes that nobody else hears. You get access to channels in our Discord that are only for you, members of the Nerd On Nation. And discounts on merch. There, there's a whole slew of awesome things. Do check out that. It is nerdon.io backslash Patreon. And check out that Discord, nerdon.io backslash Discord. And a huge check shout out. out. That. Yes, check that out. Uh, a huge shout out to our partners, Apogee Electronics, who have equipped us with these awesome microphones, the hype mic. and The ultimate podcasting microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and Odyssey headphones. And uh, Corey wasn't here last time, but they have recognized the officially, phrase. Officially yes. recognized the phrase. That On their official social media. <laughs> if your ears were mouths, they'd taste like butter. It's true. <laughs> You it's just not you would be false, like, guys. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I know I said it as a joke the first time, but it is real. These it sound amazing. They do I've sound been playing good. World of Warcraft with these on. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Nice. And then a Cory got his wings. <laughs> so that is oh. the housekeeping. Caitlin, what are we here about? Oh my gosh. All right. What are we here about? So all right. Everyone, everyone loves Ghibli. Like seriously. <laughs> we don't think we come across anyone that hasn't found their Miyazaki film at this point, I think. Um, today, today, we are joined by a fellow lover of the animation, Mecca, across the pond, by one of our coolest guests, which happens to be friends with one of our own. It's me, in case you didn't know. Uh, known around the world for being on the pioneer season of Singaporean Idol, uh, her album Desperate and coming out with her brand new single, Why Didn't You Say So?, Haneri joins us to talk about Howl's Moving Castle. So many <laughs> topics. Well, <laughs> I heard explosions, so I ducked. Oh, okay. Anyway, thank you so much, Haneri, for coming on the show with us today. Dope, dope, dope. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And oh, also, at this time of the recording, you are in a different country. I am. It is 2 a.m. Nice. Very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank all of us you. just I'm died sorry. alone so late. <laughs> We're all rested, having coffee. You know, yeah, right? It's like Red Bull with some energy drinks, please. <laughs> coffee? <laughs> Terrible idea. Is this like really late for you, though? Um, It is. I think as I've been making music a lot. It used to be cool to stay up late and work, but I've realized that if I wake up early and start working early, then I can sleep early and then wake up early. It's this, it's this crazy phenomenon that I've realized. Getting I've been trying to do that and my body just disagrees with it. 
Wow. Like, I want to go to bed at 10 and it's like, okay, four. Can we, can we make it in the middle right at 4 a.m.? Is that cool? No. There's no in between. No. Well, I'm sure it's also, I'm, I'm sure it's also different, like with creativity, like you, you, you want to be awake when your brain is awake and doing the creative thing. Yeah, totally. I think also I just moved back to Asia from LA, but a lot of the people that I work with actually like writing in the day, which is nice and refreshing. And I don't know if it's because we're all getting older, but I'll, <laughs> well, I'll, I'm there may, be, there may be a little bit of that, a little bit more responsibility leaking in. But I mean, it's also not to mention that America is very different from any Asian country you'll be in because, you know, I think... America loves to romanticize the hard and struggle and all that stuff. And like, I, I don't know if you guys ever tried the, I think it's a Salvador Dali um, method where you sit and you have a key and you have a plate and then you stay up as, oh. you, 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 you kind of sit up and then the moment like you start falling asleep, you'll let go of the key and mm-hmm. then you fall on the, the plate, plate and then it, plate, and then it wakes you up. And then so that part of your brain starts functioning and it's the same part that starts dreaming. It's almost like uh, REM or REM sleep. And so that's when you start writing. And I was like, that what? sounds like the most it's, brutal torture I've hacking, ever heard of my You're life. basically hacking your brain. Yeah. That you're trying I to get, love that stuff. I'm going to go try it. Try it. I mean, <laughs> She's like, right hey. after this, I'm going to go hold a key over a flute for like an hour. <laughs> I, I've done it once or twice. And I've been like, you know, that's some crazy stuff, baby. But, you know, I've read um, that it's, it's good to be creative at, like, at night. Like I've read because the world is so quiet, like it's it's much more quiet at night. And like I've even read that like the golden hour, like when it's like like four, yeah, three or four or something like that. That's where, when the ghosts come. Yeah, but I've heard <laughs> some creative people oh. say that that's the best time to write. That's also when all the horror movies like in their world, <laughs> that's when they start. Have you seen that sounds Strangers? About right. <laughs> that sounds about right. I think. In Asia, I live with my family, so there's just never, it, there's never, it's never quiet. It, um, this is as quiet it's gonna get, and that's because my sisters asleep. have moved out and my parents are old. So, <laughs> but <Fair. laughs> you're like, I love you if you're watching this. <laughs> um, Mom well, asked me three times what I'm doing tonight. I was like, forget about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I've had that out. conversation. Um, so wait, how do how do you know, this is more a question for both of you. How do you, you Caitlin and Haneri, how do you guys know each other? How did how did this happen? Uh, you want to tell it? I, I would I would love to hear your perspective on how things <laughs> unfolded. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I was on this website one. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> she swiped right. <laughs> <laughs> I swiped right, and it was right. Um, <laughs> but no, really, I joined this recording studio in LA when I started working, when I moved to LA at the end of 2016. And I had been working there for a while. And I think, I think I was on tour when you started. That sounds right. Yeah. Cause they needed like, they needed a little extra help. So I was just there kind of sort of tempish. And you were there for like a Christmas party that I yep. missed. And there were photos of you everywhere. And I was like, who is this girl? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I never met her cause she worked weekends or she worked when I wasn't working, so therefore we never met. Um, and then when we did, it was like, Epic. you know, I just asked where Caitlin was all the time. <laughs> wow. Electricity everywhere, <laughs> the energy swirling. You, you guys just sleepless in Seattle, each other. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Essentially, I saw a picture, yeah. and I had to, I had to draw you. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What What do they say? 
um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fact. That's what it was. And now I'm on the other side of the world, so I'll miss you forever. I know. Aww. Well, we've it's it's I been sweet, real quick. <laughs> I feel like we we didn't see each other a whole lot when we both lived in LA. And, and now that you're in Singapore, I talk to you more, I think, now than I did when you were here. That's true. I was in limbo. So like when I left and, and Caitlin will know because she and two other girls that started when I was on tour, I would be like, I don't work here anymore. But I was there almost every day for another year because I just wasn't sure what I was doing. Kind of being a manager sometimes, kind of doing the front desk sometimes. They just call me because I couldn't do anything else. So they'd be like, can you come in? I'm like, well, I guess I have nothing better to do. (laughs) (laughs) In between tour, you know? Yeah. Well, in between tour, there's really, you just have to force yourself to write when you're not working. That makes sense. Make no money. (laughs) I I think that's a really important thing too. I think, you know, a lot of people are like, I have to dedicate this time to go eat. I have to dedicate this time to go sleep. But then the writing aspect is very like, People find it that like they you have to just muse yourself into it. But if you don't dedicate your you know your diligence to to write, then sometimes it just never happens. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I think that Thomas's point, right? That's right. <laughs> you for can me, point whichever direction do, yeah. you want, but it don't may not matter. For the <laughs> We're going to be everywhere. <laughs> you can point. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. When you do, when inspiration does strike, when it's like the quietest it can possibly be, whenever that moment is, then I just write bullet points and nuggets of whatever my brain is thinking. And then when I'm stuck, I go back to it. But um, yeah, it has helped me for for the most part. Till maybe about two weeks ago, I've been kind of stuck. <laughs> then you get art block, and that's fun. That's why I think voice memos are so magical. I'm addicted yeah. to making voice memos just to myself. Like, remember this line? Remember this? Yeah. For later. Even for uh, like, yeah. for me as a songwriter, when even a word, like if I hear a word that is used differently or something like that, I'm like, oh, that's a really good like, or even like a title of a song or like, I he- I think of a rhyme or something like that. I'm like, he's oh, like, I'm gonna try to rhyme this cucumber. Yeah, with dumber. <laughs> cucumber is hard to rhyme with. <laughs> I I recently did it on a Jackbox game, so it's not impossible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, Veggie Tales. <laughs> you got you gotta you gotta you know find a way how you're gonna. Uh, well, I also I just like to you know talk a lot of smack, so I was just like I'm gonna rhyme something with cucumber, and then it's wow. gonna be fire. That's that's my only you know uh, impetus to do that. Speaking um, of writing prowess, though. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I just said you got to challenge yourself. Oh yeah. my god, cucumber. Um, but but speaking of writing prowess, that's so that's kind of like how we met. But like up to that point, you were on tour for music. So maybe give us a little uh, backstory on on where you've come from, musically speaking. Oh, very great linkage. <laughs> right word to use. Good segue. Segue. Ham fisted. I see it. I go for it. Um, <laughs> well, I've been a musician my whole life. My mom said I, you know, it sounds really typical, but I sang before I could talk. Or rather, I sang and talked. I sang talked when I started mm-hmm. talking. Um, and I, you know, I have a little sister and she wouldn't fall asleep unless I like would sing her a book. And so Aww. I'd make melodies and I just loved doing it. And it was just a big part of how I express myself because I'm Asian. So, you know, we Shout don't out. do feelings. So, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> wow. The only way that I could express it like appropriately was to do it in song. And, you know, so that's kind of where I started. And then I was on a TV show when I was 16. And that's where I started in Singapore. And that was a long time ago. Then I moved to the States and I went to school at Berkeley. And then I lived in New York for a while, came back to Singapore and then lived in LA. And now I'm back in Singapore, but making music the whole time. <laughs> and you've you've kind of hopped all over the place with like working with different artists on some cool projects. You worked with like Freddie Wong on something. You had, uh, um, uh, you were, oh my goodness. You, I mean, some of your music, uh, one yes, song Tom. in particular was in um, uh, a personal idol of mine, Wong Fu. Um, but you've oh, also worked right. with you also worked with um, producers for with like Avicii and Rehab. Um, I, I didn't know. actually work with Avicii. Um, mm. So this collaborators, is producers, story. right? <laughs> I well, so he had this thing called UX Avicii XU. So he wanted to get people to collaborate with him on his next single, which marketing wise is genius. Um, but he put out a chord progression for like two months and let people submit their kicks, their snares, their synths, whatever. Um, And then this duo, this production duo, Canadian production duo that I was working with, I don't know why that's important, but anyway, you have that information now. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) They wanted to do like like hijack, I I don't know, a bootleg version Mm -hmm. of it. So they released it at like 11.30 before he released it at midnight. And I sang over that. But it got so big because people thought that that it was, was the real the song. Oh, shit. The real true story. Yeah. That uh, it went viral. And then everyone thought that that was the Avicii song. I don't even really… I think I liked the actual Avicii song. But it went out everywhere. And I was in the States. Um, but like there were a bunch of magazines and newspapers that… World that I worked with Avicii, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, how do I fix this?" <laughs> like, no, right, let, let it go. <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> not bad marketing. Yeah, that was the. Avicii. I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely deny. Take it down. Take it down. Yeah, it's like traditional media. So, um, and and talking about music as well, your you you know first was kind of introduced to the world, um, you know, with Singapore Idol. I don't know if I'm saying that, that right. That was the show, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it was as uh, Daphne Koo, right? My birth name, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you later changed to Haneri to be able to write about, you know, deeper things and not stick to one particular genre because you felt that the name would allow you to reset as well as like be able to, um, you know, give you a new place where you can, t- you know, write things differently. Where, um, and so it's it's a Hawaiian translation of your Chinese name? Yeah, so when I was thinking of what, because I, I sing with a pretty neutral, if not American accent. I'm Australian, mm-hmm. but I sing with a. I know. You're, you're, cover, you're hiding it pretty well. <laughs> um, we have a couple of shots, and you never know. <laughs> wasted, that's Aussie wasted. So when I get there, that's like then the, the true next you. Time, <laughs> no idea what I'm, I don't even know what I'm saying at that point. Um, but so I wanted the name to sound Asian. Because my English name is Daphne, and then no one can pronounce my last name. And like K H O O is pronounced Ku. Some people pronounce it Ko or Kahu. I don't know. I've met some Ko's, but it's only one. I've met some Ko's, but it's only one O. 
So it's like, how, exactly. do you, how, how do you mess that up? I don't know. I, I mean, and then when you, when you say coup, then people are like K-U or K-H-O. They don't know how to spell it. So I figure, why not just like revamp it? And I'd wanted to because the music that I made when I was 16 and the music that I made when I, like a decade later. A little so different. different. Yeah. Different person. Totally different person. Different that, colored hair, different <laughs> That's Different that's life experiences. Face, but, you know, that, that's, life experiences. <laughs> More importantly, that's uh, um, that's yeah. that's crazy. That's that's really interesting because I think um, uh, for me as a you know filmmaker artist blah whatever um, going I've I've always went by Tom because I always wanted to make people's lives easier, um, and then more and more as I get older and I think it's the, I think this is like every Asian artist goes through the same kind of thing where it's like I just want to be accepted and then it's like but I also want to be and then also later on they grow and they're like I want to be me. And people are going to have to understand that. And then so, um, like, you going into um, closer, like, it's a way that you identified your own name in a way so that other people can see it. You know, for me, like, if I went by my real Asian name, I'd be like, nah, no one's going to understand that. <laughs> no one's going to be able to pronounce this at all. It's going to be I a mean, nightmare. Hanary is not my Chinese name. It's just, it's the name my grandpa gave me. And then I translated it to, like... 80 different languages and I mean <laughs> I was at the village when I did it I was working <laughs> and uh, I would just write down the ones that like in my free time when I had like a minute or two to spare I would keep translating it and writing it down and I still have the photo of the piece of paper where Hanari Miliona was so my grandpa named me E which Let's be real. E is not a superstar name. Let's, I mean. It, it hey, sounds like a letter. E. E. <laughs> e also means one in Chinese. So it's just, it means a million things. You're number one. Number one. <laughs> e. That's true. But th- this particular E um, meant hundred million. Because my grandpa oh. wanted me to be plentiful and to always have. Which is the goal. Hundred million. You know, it's not. Is there any pressure with that, though? <laughs> I mean, if there is, I'm completely ignoring it. <laughs> I mean, so my 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 Asian name means always victorious, and then my last name means like the most beautiful crisp cut diamond. I was like, yo, I can't. <laughs> live That's some up to pressure. This. I'm like, so, yeah, exactly. I was it's like, yo, about, could, <laughs> about your inside. I guess, but I'm like, I'm like the worst, like. I, I've said this once and I'll be very short. Like, I was a monk for a while, but I'm like, I'm the worst person to be a monk. So I'm like, I'm not going to live Can up confirm. to confirm. I have to, I have <laughs> yeah. to just be who I am. And I mean, that's just, my know, name so- is, my name is Gaelic for the hollow tree where a raven lives. So what do I have on my shoulders? I guess. Have life. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. There you go. I like Look that. Look at you. You're so Not good a whole lot of pressure on that one, guys. Not a whole lot of pressure. <laughs> Just live. It just is what it is. Yeah, it is just you know whatever. A tree with a raven, cool. <laughs> wow. Well, so, you also say that you're. Birds, so. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say ravens are singing birds, so that yeah, also it's, they're very poetic. Birds. It's also my favorite bird, so it works out just fine. I'm happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints. No perfect diamonds for me. That's fine. So so E, which your grandfather named you. Yes. And then. Translated million, and you know, then Hawaiian it's Hanari Miliona. So mm-hmm. I went with Hanari, um, and that's just the new alias, which I like, and it's still me, 
It's very Asian sounding. It's, I would be a fool if I said, <clears throat> I would be a fool if I said that people can't make a mistake with this name. Cause I thought it's very like, you sounded out Hanari, but there's also like Hanari, Hanari. <sighs> mm-hmm. I've learned over the past three years, there are many ways to mess up the spelling, this pronunciation of Hanari. So. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's an idiot around. You know there's a lot of people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of different perspectives. I can't tell you how many times I've been called corny, and I can't believe that. Yeah. I'm stuck in high school when I said corny powers. That. Yeah. Corny powers. And I was like, it's, it's nice. just like, it's like a key and peel. You We're keeping Aaron, Jake, Jake Quellen, D nice, you know? <laughs> it's like all wow. that. Um, uh, so, I mean, you, you've been able to tour around. Uh, a lot of countries, a lot around the world, and 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 it's such a, like a you know I don't want to say like it's such an early age, but like you know <laughs> it's an experience I think most of our listeners aren't familiar to. Um, but one thing I do want to think that they are familiar of is embarrassing events in your life. Oh. Um, and in an interview, <laughs> you did say that one of the most embarrassing events that ever happened to you on TV or on camera was when you were running on a stage and it was a fully waxed stage and then you <gasps> fell. And wiped out, um, <laughs> and your mom caught it on camera. Has anything been topped since then? Oh, my I told goodness. you he deep dives. Probably no, but this was this was bad. Like that one was bad. It was I was super enthusiastically running across the stage in these oh. heels. You know, I'm a super tomboy, but I learned how to do it for the stage. And my mom has my little camcorder where she oh, used. No. I was like was my momager. She would come and, nice. you know, take care of me during the shows, which was awesome. Of course. You literally watch, like I reviewed it because I was trying to digitize all the media in the house. It's, you literally watch me go across the stage and then my mom, for some reason, zooms in and then you, <gasps> oh. I disappear. Because like, <laughs> oh, the zoom in. That's perfect. Goes, the zoom in. What happened? Oh no. <laughs> Exasperated. Um, I'm sure if, oh, I don't know if I can talk about this. Sure, I sure, whatever. Um, so a couple of years after that, I mean, I never wanted to talk about it because I didn't think it was that bad. But then I rewatched the footage a couple of years ago and I was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh woof. <laughs> You're hyping First it up. Off, <laughs> there are many events where my mom should not have been my fashion advisor because looking back, that was a bad idea. Uh-oh. The other day I was doing a show and she was like, are you sure you want to wear that? I'm like, are you sure you want to give me fashion advice? <laughs> <laughs> I have <laughs> documents. <laughs> Exhibit A. Here's my receipt. 14 years old. What was that? <laughs> phase one, phase two. <laughs> uh, and she's just like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Um, but... Oh, I'm already so embarrassed that I already started telling the story, but I will finish it. So there was like a variety game show. They wanted to do something like the Japanese variety game show. Mm. Oh, I love yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so one of them was, it's kind of like the one where you have to do the shape. and mm-hmm. Yes. A bunch of stuff like that. And I was young, okay? I was like, you know, pre-knowing about my body type situation. Oh. And I didn't realize that I just had the wrong bra on the whole oh, time. No. And oh no. And no one reviewed it. And now I know why. Because it was probably really uncomfortable to watch me. Oh no. Oh no. So we get soaked with water, <gasps> you know, 
and <gasps> it was really inappropriate. Oh no! Very underage. <laughs> so, where, 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 where was this at? This was in Singapore. This was oh. in Asia. Oh, oh no! Oh no! It's oh, no. so, it's okay because this. I don't this, think you'll ever be able to find. I think they took it down. Probably okay. yeah. Because it's sounds inappropriate. Like it. this, this is, <laughs> it sounds this like is, it. This is this is where I come from, like because like I'm I'm pretty big on like if I see somebody you know I'm like hey they don't want to probably be remembered or seen that way like you know sometimes underwear rides up sometimes flies fall down sometimes straps come around that's like hey hey yo I was like I'm just looking out no one did that you had no homies to help you out around I'm sure it's one of those things where like when the show already started it's like almost impossible to pluck you out of the center of everything. But between stations, I yeah. feel like a girlfriend would have been See? like, "Hey, cutting or I don't know." <laughs> I would have appreciated some help. And uh, only only one person really told me about it when the show had aired, oh. and oh. like, <clears throat> I didn't know if he was trying to like make a move or whatever. But I was very awkward with boys at that stage, so I was just like, oh, "Okay, yeah, thanks." <laughs> I mean, it's also hard for. Okay, I mean, awesome. All right. Uh, in in the positive light, if they're like me, then it's also like, how do you bring this up? You know, it's like, how do you let them know? Be like, hey, I'm just trying to look out. But also, if they're he creep, probably then, trying to do me a favor too, and it's like it's already up there, man. I don't know. Yes, or they're creeping. We'll never see them again. So, <laughs> well, on the other side of the coin, though, yeah. <laughs> what What's a time where, like, in your writing, in your performing? Like, so there's like mass embarrassment <laughs> that we've just covered, but there's like, there's Redemption. a moments of like strength or inspiration or feeling really in the flow with like your music and your process. Is there a time of that that you remember that was in front of an audience or like just writing privately? Like, um, I think I've had a few of those moments I'm, and I'm really grateful for them. But I think the greatest story for me, for my life so far, hopefully there are more, but I remember watching Gloria Estefan sing Reach for mm. the Olympics in like 1998 or something. I don't know. But anyway, I remember being so inspired by her doing that. And I was like, I want to do that one day. Like, I want to do that. I told my whole family, I was like, I'm going to do that. And they're like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you're sweet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Verbatim, almost. Wow. <laughs> but it was probably an uncle. Um, but anyway, so 20 years later, when I had to move, I moved back to Singapore because I wrote, I submitted a song for this thing called the Southeast Asian Games, which is like the sea game, which is like the Olympics for Southeast Asia. So mm. it's all this. Shout games. out. Yes. And um they were holding it in Singapore for 2015. So in 2013, they had already started getting people to write the theme song. And so I was still at Berkeley in Boston. And my mom was like, oh, check this out. You should do this. You should do this. Because, you know, my mom is like my mom. And cheerleader. Uh, I, yes, cheerleader, momager all the way. Ethan, <laughs> mom, you can do it. Uh, so she, <laughs> I wrote this song and I... My boyfriend at the time produced it. He's an incredible producer. And we submitted it. And then a year later, they were like, we've got so many great submissions. We're going to put it all into an album. But we have three theme songs and you wrote one of them. 
So that was like my moment. And they wanted to get a really big artist to sing it at the opening ceremony, but she was too expensive. So they were like, you do it. And I was like, okay. Whoa. I I sang for like the biggest audience I've ever, the stadium held like 50,000 people. And that like walking out that moment, I was like, I did it. (laughs) You did it. It's done. It's done. All right, I'm done. Thank you, good night. <laughs> done with this. And wow. see. That's crazy. That's awesome. And That's amazing. Buddy, I'm done here. So do you And that just like, fueled more, I'm assuming. Just like this. More of this, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, awesome. I mean, I really was kind of like, okay, like I guess I'm done now for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just I, took a little I've breather. Stalking, yeah, I've been stalking as a an independent artist for all 17 years of my career. I've had wow. just come in and help, but done. I've done everything myself from graphic design to marketing to writing the copy to everything. That's I'm dope. exhausted. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I needed uh, a little bit of a break. Well, I mean, yeah. we split those duties between five of us and I'm exhausted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, with, you're, you're with, like a powerhouse human. I mean, with when you're an independent artist like that, you you have to... I'm sure your your skill set is very wide because you're like, I don't know how to use Photoshop, but I'm going to learn. And yep. I don't know how to write copy for marketing, but I'm going to learn. <laughs> well, my parents set me up real nice because they made me get a, a a mass comm degree, like a media degree. Oh, I oh shit. So I pretty much had dipped my toes in like beginner courses for everything. Wow. So that's that's that, up. Thank you. That's and then, like... And then YouTube, you know, to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube college. That's uh that's that's like the the nice version of my family. They're like, it'll never happen. And then like I was like, I want to study all this media stuff and then start doing film stuff. And then they're just like, Are you sure you still want to do this? So I mean, like, I've had to do a similar where it's like, I gotta learn this shit, baby. I gotta learn. Um, but um we're we're also here to a little bit talk about your you have a new single coming out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and uh all of the Mounts of internet that I had to scour through. We're talking about burning up, and I was talking about like your perspective on abusive relationships and how it's not always one sided. Um, and that kind of came with a little bit of um, um, with your with with the alias change. Um, yeah. What 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 can you tell us about this this new single? So. Definitely becoming Hanary in 2017 was like a really big deal. I wanted to get as much press as possible because I knew if I didn't, nobody would listen to the new music. Um, so I wanted to make sure that because also because this song meant a lot to me, it's I don't really talk about any of my relationships really too publicly. I'm I'm mostly single most of the time. Shout out. Um, but <laughs> but I have been in this situation more than once. And I talk to a lot of girls about it. And I'm also a cancer survivor. And I talk about that a lot too. So I wanted to talk about the things that were hard to talk about. Because in Asia, we just don't. We don't talk about pap smears. We don't talk about health. We don't talk about anything that means anything. As long as it can be a conversation that can be quickly wrapped up, mm-hmm. then we can talk about that. But if it's an open-ended conversation where we have to get uncomfortable, it's just never happens. So I wanted to be Asian and get uncomfortable with people. Shout <laughs> <And> out. So, <laughs> so burning up was like, 
a fun, sad way of talking about abusive relationships and how people get addicted to it, how people stay in it. Um, And then the next single, Feel All Right, which actually went like viral, did really, really well. I did not publicize as much, but it was just about me hating living in LA. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just really honest. feel it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. It was... It was like the greatest ride of my life, but I was miserable a lot. I was so miserable. I and lonely. I got a dog, which I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Snowball. Love of my life. Yeah. And sitting in a little ball. Right there. Um, <laughs> Hence the name. Exactly. And after a feel all right, I did a song about falling in love with my dog. Not in that way. Right, no. In <laughs> a way that pet ball. owners do. Yes. <laughs> the way the pet owners There's do. a look I give my cat I give no one else. And it doesn't mean anything more than just this is I try cat. to get the look out of them sometimes. It doesn't work. <laughs> no, Some they won't happen. And they stop. look back. They do. <laughs> they know it. They do. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day. She has this like teacup poodle that her mom like spoils. And she, <laughs> she named her dog Rabbit. Don't ask me why. Um, we're it's Asian. Amazing. There's no explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she said, have you ever tried with your dog to like pretend to die and see if she comes to, to your care <laughs> to yeah. care about you She's like rabbit doesn't care and i'm like girl it's just been snowballing me for so long if i as so much as shed a tear she'll be like what's wrong <laughs> oh, no <laughs> the greatest thing ever please don't be sad i'm sorry i used to do that with my dog and then i did it one too many times and she was like bullshit <laughs> like, i know this i'm done caring i've cared too many times you've burned me <laughs> How dare you, sir? It's my own fault. <laughs> um, I hope I never get to that stage. <laughs> but, um, so the single that came out right before uh, the one that's coming out was called I Don't Want to Love You. And this whole, I call it the Miliona era because I kind of flipped up the or turned up the notch on the retro vibe. And it's super disco funk pop. Nice. Dope. Hell I'm yeah. calling it. It's really fun. That's awesome. I love it. But it didn't seem appropriate for it. It didn't feel like a good time for it to come out when it was supposed to come out because of all the stuff that the world should be talking about. Because reasons. Have in, and in. Because because right. world. Yeah. <laughs> Progression. Because pandemic and yeah. a lot of other things. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I and I talked to my team, and by team I just mean one person that helps me put out the music and she was like, Oh, you know, it's, I think it's time. I think you can, I think people need music that makes them happy again. Yes. So I have, can I swear? Yes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this song is about fuck boys. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was about, um, a friend who, you know, we didn't talk about what it was we were doing and then just, got butthurt that we didn't talk about it. And I was like, <laughs> why didn't you say so? <laughs> okay. First of all, you, you know, express burn, yourself, burn up, talking about abusive relationships and how we get into them. Now you're talking about fuckboys. I feel like you're attacking me and we don't even know. Each other. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't know what I've done. We were supposed to, you know, Tom represent, got called out. hang out. Yeah. I feel <laughs> red. I feel, <laughs> um, that's awesome. Uh, no, I mean, I will, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I, I was listening to your desperate album and listening to all your music and on your YouTube channel. And I was just like, I was like, and, and so it was interesting seeing your, your progression 
and how you know it went to and and I think you've talked about it where it was kind of like you wanted to talk about deeper things, and it just resonated with me because you know your earlier stuff you know is you know a little lighthearted. There's some poppiness to it, like a little a little a little a little nineties, a little Christina Aguilera. I hear I hear a little. It was uh, made in the nineties, no, yeah. in the two thousands, but I was made in the eighties. So yeah. and, then, and then now going into like the deeper stuff, yeah, like uh, I think it is really important, especially because. Yeah, um, Asian people are really weird and they don't like talking about deep stuff. So I think uh, it, you know, the Asian people that do want to hear about it. And that's the thing about Asian audiences. Like, they're loyal. They're they're ride or die, baby. It's crazy. So um, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I don't know them yet, but I will. <laughs> you will. I will. You, you, have a very, you have a very dedicated fan base. I mean, you're looking at one of them right now, so... Yeah. I read the comments. I see all of them be like, you got to make an acoustic version. You got to make an acoustic version. I see Aww. all those. So. I Yeah, I'm grateful. I also wanted to shout out to my Asian heritage, though, because I feel like I need to state for the record that I am in a position where I'm privileged to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of cases where girls from my generation had it so bad that having your own thoughts is not allowed. You know, that still happens a lot and it confuses a lot of people. And that's why I want to make sure that no one grows up in that kind of society. Even if the people you look up to are telling you that that's not okay, I want to at least be there to possibly slap them back and be like, it is okay. Go have a <laughs> girl. You do you. But nope. I think it's important because no, this hasn't been represented in my culture or in my age group or reached out to me when I was younger. So, I mean, I'm very big on that because I, the way I grew up is already privileged. So I can't imagine what being even more emotionally stunted would be like. So. Yeah. I, I, I won't name names, but yeah, I definitely have those experiences with uh, the Asian people I grew up with. And it's, it's definitely weird because I, I'm going to steal this line from Avatar the Last Airbender um, where it's like, if you're, rivers of wisdom are only from one source and you're not allowed to explore different ones then you become rigid and everything tends to just break around you and it's 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 crazy and i think it's a little you know highbrow but it's like i've seen what exactly what you're talking about where there's a lot of social and traditional dogma that happens in asian communities where your parents say this one thing and you're not really allowed to form your own opinions and whether they're quote unquote wrong opinions, you're allowed to at least explore following your butt, then come back and be like, all right, mom, dad, you're right. But then a lot of times, like there's just so much fear and there's a lot of um, just um, kind of control in a way. And I think I, 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 I vibe with that where there is a privilege of being an Asian person and allowing to feel that you're an open book or you're allowed to just express who you are because, you know, um, you know, beyond Asian people, there are things where you can't, you're not allowed to feel, you know, mm-hmm. like that happens with men and masculinity, but that also, but it's just a different conversation when it comes to Asian people. And then also comes a different conversation about Asian women. Yeah. So like there's that deeper layer every time you go in and add the facet to it. So. I, and I do think that a big part of the problem was that it's not even part of the conversation. It's just like not. It's avoided. It's skipped. It doesn't exist. It's like, huh? What did you say? Huh? No. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, try to talk about mental health, right? Yeah. 
It's just like <laughs> no, no you just you just gave. You you're just you're just tired. Go drink some water. Go sleep in a bed. <laughs> oh my god. And it's like, "Oh, are you hungry? You your, yeah, let me make you something." Telling your parents that you have an emotional issue or like a mental issue it's like telling them you have a fever. They just like I can literally is like Nola, you're fine. You broke. Literally, it's like you're fine. You can sleep it off. You'll be okay. Yeah, that's oh my God. that's that's how my dad is. But my mom has like completely 180 it. And so the moment I'm be like, yeah, I had a bad day at work, and then she's just like, I'm so sorry. I was like, yo, 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 this is normal. Like, I need you when when just when, you have when, the two extremes is what yeah. you're saying. You have like. So, there's my dad, no like, well, just tell me about your day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad would be like the person, like, if I cried watching a movie, he's like, crying's for girls. I'm like, okay, I'm a girl now. <laughs> and then, but then my, but then, yeah, my, my mom would be just like, she, she, she's always been like, she's like, you and I are the same. Like, we're hard on the outside, but we're like a feather on the inside. If like someone just touches us, it, it hurts. True. And I was just like, mom, don't put that on me. Don't put this evil on me. You know, so, um, don't you put that on me, Ricky it. Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do want to ask a little bit. You are talking about your her- Asian heritage. Um, we did talk about this in the digital green room. What is your way to politically correctly ask someone what their ethnic background is if they're Asian? Oh, so, I well, I actually this works on all ethnicities. All right. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Take notes, kids. Take notes. Right, right. Okay. I always ask very politely. It's also a good way to open up a conversation. What is your ethnic makeup? Oh, there you go. That's like that's, saying, "Hey, did you like, take a twenty-three in me?" That's, <laughs> exactly. That is but that. You can, ask that uh, you can ask that to anyone. That's, that's that, not like yeah. Asian specific. I I oh. so mine. If we're in trade notes, mine is um, what flavor are you, baby? This <laughs> every, what flavor are you, baby? I don't think. Mm-hmm. And, that and might obviously, not I work built in every situation. It won't work in every situation. You know, I don't think I can. I'm gonna be Ask like you're that. not. I'm gonna be like you're not just white. What flavor are you, baby? And like that's that's how I am because I'm like, hey, we're just talking about it. Corey, Josh, and I are like white bread. No, you're not just white. That's just denaturalization of bullshit. Corey, Josh, and I have our hands over our mouths. <laughs> so, like, I've got Josh okay. So Josh what flavor am I? I've got a little bit of Guinness. Uh, there's some there's some Jameson mixed in. Um, okay, so there's, Irish. There's Irish. Um, oh, we just go by yeah, yeah. Also, because I say you, the world, the world is a buffet, and I've got if you're not Portuguese, taking part of so, it, you're, uh, you're wait, a little no, bit of port. The, that's the hack. You just ask to describe what alcohol you're made up of, and that's not offensive. <laughs> that's wow. it. I'm I'm bomb. Canary came in with like the no. good politically correct one, and Tom is like, no. If you were a food, what would you taste like? I would say that. <laughs> okay, look, but also. Cultures connect through food. And also, yeah, as humans, true. like, you know, someone may not like tomatoes. Someone may not like mushrooms. But we all like food at some different levels. Like, but my, So it's like, you know, what's your cuisine, baby? You know what I mean? Like, And, like, I'm a lot of Southeast Asian. <laughs> you just Joey Tribbiani did. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% what he did. Like how yeah. you doing the ethnic makeup. Yeah. Yeah. I and, and I always say it because I'm like, I'm 31 flavors of Asian. We you know? like, like pizza. <laughs> But no, wow. it, that's 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 how I've gone. But you know, I'll take I'll take yours. What is your ethnic makeup? I think that's a good one, especially if you don't know the person that yeah. well. Fair, um, that's fair. But I try to stay away You're from that question. To say, like you look exotic. Oh, oof, that's like, a good are word. You Chinese? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big oof. Oh. 
I, I just love the response. Of like, I'm tired. They're like, oh, I love Pad Thai. I'm like, that has nothing to do with me. But, you know, that's cool. I, I shout out to yeah, you, homie. That's you know, not I mean? what like, I said. I'm white. It's like, I love macaroni and cheese, man. That's that's what's up. Shout out, homie. Casseroles. <laughs> casseroles. Tater tot uh, casserole. Oh, man. I really want tater tots. No one does them here. <laughs> that's a crime. They're super easy to make. I'm so potatoes. sorry. I, know that <laughs> you can do it from i believe in you from, from scratch from scratch you just what? need a, you just need Scratch. like a potato a cheese grater and like that's it and patience yeah but and potatoes are really affordable at least in the states i don't know if they're affordable in other places but well in singapore we're a little island we don't have any natural resources <laughs> except for people and we just keep getting more people i don't understand why oh maybe stop being a beautiful place and you won't get any people <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Good it point. Solid. Point. Solid. 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 Cool. 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 Tight. 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 Um. <laughs> so, uh, going back to the questions, real quick. Um, I want to go back to music. Uh, so, are you a as a songwriter? Are you a music first, a music first, or lyrics first kind of writer? I'm like a feelings first. So, mm. like. We feel. Do we feel like you know? We want to. I hate fuck boys. <laughs> so you're like yeah, the, the concept of the song, like what it's about. Sometimes I, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I bring in a concept first. Sometimes it's just like going through voice notes and seeing what clicks. Um, if it's a collaboration, then listening to a track or going through samples and be, seeing what feels good. Yeah. Actually, a lot of collaborations start with like hour long talks. And the best hooks come from conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. We don't talk anymore. Um, I can only think of Charlie Puth songs right now. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, shout out to The never-ending story. I mean, wouldn't you say that? <laughs> that's uh, that's um, what Chuck Palahniuk says, he, the writer for uh, Fight Club, is saying, like, if you have a good story, then you bring it to people and you talk about it. And if they're able to add on to it because they resonate with it, then you know you got some good. I also recently was talking to another friend about collaborating and this just visual idea of like the sphere of an emotion, right? Like, because we don't have all the names for all our feelings, mm-hmm. thankfully. <laughs> Chinese people would just be like, oh my God, what do we do? Um, <laughs> That's just called anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anger, one word. Um, it's like five different types of Chinese characters to, you know. Describe. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just like this one thing that's a feeling that's uh, that can denote like different situations, but can create the same feeling. And I think when you're writing with other people, they look at it from a different point of view, and and I'll look at it from a different point of view. And if we can write that sphere in as much detail with as much gen- generic, generic, general, but also specific, oh. then we can you know help other people experience that emotion while we're writing it and when we perform it. Mm-hmm. So that's like a beautiful idea of collaboration. It's specific to you, but it could be general and almost allegorical where people can take their own interpretations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, so it's a pretty amazing phenomenon that songwriters experience where you write something, you can write something so specific to yourself and yet other people are like, I had this experience then that song reminded me and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't know anyone else did that. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
I, I want to do one or two more questions before we we jump into the later half of the show. Um, mm-hmm. But one question is, and this is something that I'm really big on. Um, I, I I tend to be like the the friendly grumpy person amongst my friends, and I always tell people that they should try to experience more things. And since you've been around the world in um, facets that people again aren't maybe not familiar with, you've probably also have listened to musicians like American audiences have not heard of. Um, so if there is one or few, you could name the top five or however you want to go, but musicians that um, American audiences would not, would not have heard of that you know of that would open their uh, avenues to that, well, who would they be? Would, would they um, be people that I had to see live or just people that I've heard? Heard. So there is a Japanese artist called Yui, and she's an acoustic artist. She just mainly sings and plays guitar. Um, she's probably one of one of my favorite artists. A lot of my inspiration come from Japanese music. Mm-hmm. Um, a beautiful thing about Japanese music is that they never repeat a chorus. Like they have the same mm-hmm. melody. Gangs. They, yeah, they have just all wow. different lyrics. Like an incredible journey that they take you on. And I, it might have started with watching anime and you know the Shut opening up. songs and the end songs. So my sister and I, we big anime fans. So we would sing them in the car and look at the lyrics and the meaning and figure out what they meant and just be baffled by, I'm really interested in the science of songwriting as well. So looking at different formats and how it affects people and why it affects people that way. um, The Japanese format is so interesting because back in the day, like the old songs are, a lot of them are very... Bob Dylan, you know, like yeah. verse, refrain, verse, refrain. It's all, yeah. but this is, it's all a story. This beautiful story that's being like sung out and played out. Expressed. Thought. But so Yui is an artist that I love. Another one is uh, this duo, Japanese duo called Do As Infinity. Oh, and I know. They, yeah, in, <laughs> you know. Inuyasha in ending scenes. I, I know that. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's how I found them too. Mm. But they, are, they just put some new music out. So they're like going, you know, like they've been oh, They're still killing it. They're still killing it. Actually, I can't say that for sure because I haven't heard the new stuff, but Fair enough. Spotify told me that they have. They're still heard. doing it. They're, <laughs> they're yep. doing as to infinity. I, I don't know if they, they do it with each other, but they're still making music for sure. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Very good. Corey Very just good. went, mm, mm. Got just I got see bested. my phrasing here. <laughs> I just in case it was on purpose, you know. Yeah, um, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> I have. Well, I lived in Australia for a while, so I went back to Australia before I moved to the states. And there are a bunch of really incredible Australian artists. It actually blows my mind how much you know. There are a lot of Australian artists that make it big in the states, but for all intents and purposes, a lot of the Australian music industry stays within Australia, which Hmm. is so strange. I mean, they are big enough and I think rich enough and have a big enough population to support their industry. Um, But yeah, and and I almost gave up music when I stayed there because I was like, man, they're so good. Oh. Uh, So yeah, I used to yeah, <laughs> I think we all have. Like, someone's always going to be better than you. Which oh yeah, is reality. Yeah. I try not to though. I try. Yeah. I try to be the best. You know. We we gotta learn. Like, if you are the best, there's nothing left to learn. How sad would that be? 
Well, Very true. how to be better than the best. How to be better than who I was yesterday. <laughs> There's Tom I, with that diamond on the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, you want to always be innovative, but whether we like it or not, there's always going to be someone better. Yeah. It's fine. Hopefully I'll like pass on before that time happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I just don't want to see it happen. I don't want to see the fall <laughs> from grace. You, know? you can't <sighs> be the best until you're like at the end, you know? Then yeah. you're like, oh, I've seen it all. and Because you want to better yourself. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Um, so when I was in Australia, I used to waitress at a, this cafe and then play um, open mics at this bar called Spleen. And I'll never forget it because I have no idea what it's called, Spleen. Fair. Uh, but I would play there and the guy that ran it, his name is Tim. Oh, I had it while we were talking, but he Tim. created this genre called Goblin Core. Oh my God. That sounds like Caitlin's, is, Caitlin's stuff right there. <laughs> he's incredible. So he, I got to find his name for you, but um, Tim was, Goblin Core at Spleen. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dot com. <laughs> what a, I had so many interesting nights at Spleen. I, I'm just like an adventurer at heart. So like, I'm really glad that I left home when I did. I miss my family a lot, but I'm back now in my 30s. So I feel like maybe. if you go to a place called Spleen, you'd have nothing but adventures. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey man, let's check out it was, Spleen. <laughs> it was purely adventure. It was. And I could only go over at 11 when I finished my shift. So it was just all, you know, mid... Midnight story. But that's that's living life. That's living life. And that's how you're able to write good art, you know, because you experience things and you go through walks of life that people different um, perspectives hear about, you know. So. Yeah. I had no fear at the time because nothing too bad had happened to me yet, you know. Mm-hmm. A bit late for that, but <laughs> oops. Um uh but yeah, so I would walk home. Oh, it's killing me that I can't think of his name. Tim I'm McMillan? gonna find it. I'm sorry. <gasps> yes. Tim Whoa. Wow, you're fast. The, the internet. Power of the <laughs> yeah, Goblin Core. So he would like shred on his guitar and slap it. He even like played tennis with it in the middle of a show. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's intense. Yeah, he was amazing. I thought he was just not human. I just. <laughs> I mean, he's a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've watched One some. Last- I, I was just gonna. I, I've watched some. I, I'm a singer songwriter as well, or have that past. Um, and sometimes I play my guitar, and I'll, I'll watch other people play guitar that are just unnaturally good. Like I've seen somebody go, "Oh, I've never played a guitar," and they just pick it up, and because they know other instruments, they know how They're to play lying. it. There's a language. Like, I'm done. <laughs> exactly. It took me my whole time through college to get here, <laughs> and you just went. <laughs> but what you don't here's the thing though you don't know that it took them their whole life to get to that point playing yeah. those other instruments That's yeah true. it's like uh, so you know imagine to apply you the the yeah. time that they took too i was like yeah. imagine you trying to learn japanese and then someone's learned like chinese and thai and vietnamese and korean and they're like oh i understand this, this is that kind of language and they just pick it up and it's like mm-hmm. and you're like well um cool. but also josh be better you know <laughs> 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 no. um well, my mom not says <laughs> if you're if you know you're not good at it like and you really want it then maybe it's just not meant for you and you do the other thing because you there is going to be something that you're incredibly good at you just have to find it yep and then love it naps yeah there, there there's quite a few naps. things i'm good at but i hate and so like it's like all right yeah. which is the one that i'm gonna like 
Um, yeah. One last question before we talk about howls. Um, you've talked about um, surviving cancer and also going in theme of talking about things that um, are uncomfortable, but it's important. And it's like creating the space in order for us to normalize having these conversations. How has, you know, you, you volunteered with Singapore Cancer Society. Um, how has you being so open with um, your journey um, created conversations with um, your audience? Um, I think at a, at a time, for a time rather, uh, it was all anyone wanted to talk to me about. And I was like bald for a year. So it's, I couldn't blame them. It's like really obvious. Uh, when I was in Singapore, I couldn't help it because, you know, I had put out a single that was about overcoming obstacles. That's the song that Wong Fu used in their short. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I'm lucky because my mom had survived cancer 10 years before I had it. So I would volunteer with her a lot when we would give out stickers to, you know, raise money for um, the Breast Cancer Society or other cancer societies. She counsels cancer survivors or people that are battling cancer. And so she was really a role model for me going through it and past it. Um, it made me not shy at all to talk about the entire process. If anything, I wanted to make myself available to anyone that wanted to ask me anything about it. And putting that song out and being very public about that journey actually you know, led to really meaningful conversations that I had with people that I wanted to have, you know, because I think prior to that, it was just, I was like a pop singer and, you know, whatever. <laughs> but from then I had people talking to me about their parents having cancer or them going through some kind of illness. And it was, I felt like I was able to do my job to make music about that and to talk to them about what it was they needed someone to talk to about. And, you know, aside from all the other creepy or mean things that people say to me, like, this is what it's about. Yeah. Being able to create that safe community or give someone a safe platform to just spill their guts and feel okay about it. So that was really nice. And it made me feel like I'm doing the thing that I'm meant to do. That's beautiful. Yeah, if anything, it adds like more weight to the purpose of creating art and expressing, being able to find a a route where people can express themselves because now that it just has like a another another layer, another dimension. It evolved side to it. Essentially. You know? um, yeah. That's awesome. I'm smiling at Kat because she just did that for me with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kat is I was, I was like, who's Kat? I'm like, oh, Kaylin. Yeah. If you're um, we had a Caitlin at the studio, so we had to call her cat. If you I like know that you're from the music industry if you call me cat. <laughs> I'm going to mess with that now. Oh, I was going to say it's like great, and then Boos McBalrog. I see. I see. Okay. Boos McBalrog these... is the internet. Caitlin is acting. What is your handle makeup? Music. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All the different layers. What is wow. your creative uh, makeup there? <laughs> okay. All right. Um but now we'll switch to um How's Moving Castle. Mm. Um so uh you you kind of like this movie, right? <laughs> oh, it's my favorite movie of all time. It's my top five. Top they like five. juggle around. Yeah. It's there. So let, let's talk about you a little bit. When 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 was your first time watching it? Was it dub? Was it sub? Tell us a story. I um I think in Asia we only watch sub mm. anime. Yeah. I think that's all we get. 
when it was on free-to-air TV. So mm. that's how I generally prefer it. And also I love Japanese. So if you didn't, if that wasn't already obvious. It was kind um, of there. But I, yeah. um, but I love listening to them talk in Japanese. I think it's so cute. And I started watching anime with um, Roni Kenshin. And you just Kenshin's make voice day. drastically cool. different if you watch it yes. dubbed. Yes. And so Very. you're like, oh, Kenshin's a man. Oh, wait. If you hear, then you hear it sub and you're like, wait, is he? But is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's kind of beautiful. Really it's bizarre. Yeah. It's a cultural <laughs> divide. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I think it is um, voiced by a woman. Yeah. If I'm not wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 100%. but, but the, but the idea of him being like the, the subtext of the choice of voice is mm-hmm. just like, he is this gentle slayer, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, we could do a whole nother episode about that. Come back <laughs> for that one. Please, yeah. please come Cor- back Cor- for that Corey one. wants to come die. Wants to talk about it. 3am guys. Come on. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're all good. <laughs> um, um, but so how's but moving I, castle? Yeah. I think I was, I don't know, like a teen, early teens when I first watched it. Maybe mid-teens. I don't know. 16, 17. Okay. Let's, let's put it that. And I possibly watched it before, but I didn't fall in love with Ghibli till I was like 17. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing. I was going to say, was it love at first sight? Or was it like, oh, I'm now not dumb and I understand the beauty of this? <laughs> Tom, doesn't, Tom doesn't like kids. Just throw that out there. <laughs> oh, no, I, yeah. I, 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 I talk from my own experience of like, I was really dumb when I watched a lot of things. I just never appreciated it. And then I was like, oh, you're fucking stupid. Stupid! Come on, you man. Ha- you had like, more life experience, oh, there was a so message. you could. I was like, oh, God. God. your perspective like, shifted because you had more life happen. Well, it's more like <laughs> in the hair change. I, I, I think it might have been like, oh, I try to make a movie. This is really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I give a lot of shit for no reason. And also, you start uh, like loving the mastery and the craftsmanship, and also the messaging, and also like the auteur aspect of it. So, anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I minored in Asian cinema mm-hmm. for my first degree, so. I would go to the library a lot and just like sit in one of those like little, they had little cubbies where you can put the DVD in. Yep. And so I spent so much time in that library watching like old Asian films. I was going to say, how much Kurosawa did you watch? Oh, so much. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I fell in love with um, Miyazaki. Yeah. <laughs> Murakami. Wait, that's not. Um, uh, Yeah, so I fell in love with him and my thesis was just like on him and the films that he makes. But I bought like the whole, I bought a DVD set of all the Ghibli films. Um, But Howl's was the first and will always be my first Ghibli love Mm. in animation movies. Oh, yeah. Um, So we go customarily around the the digital room. What's everyone else's uh, initial reactions and first impressions of Howl's Moving Castle? Uh, this is actually my first time watching it for this. Oh. And he did that dub uh, life, right? Hmm? Yeah. D- yeah. Dub yeah. life. Uh, I, well, I did dub life the first time and then I, as I was taking notes and stuff like that, I put it on through uh, subs just to get a vibe. Feel. Um, but this is my first time watching it through and uh, it was one of those things that like I kept putting it off because it was so hyped in my mind and I was scared. I was like, I'll get to it eventually, I promise, because I, I love Spirited Away uh, and I love uh, Totoro and I love all these things. So I, I put it on and I, I could not keep my eyes off the screen as most yes. uh, Ghibli films do. Uh, I thought this was a fantastic story. It's, it's uh, rising to, it, it rose to the top of my 
films as far as uh, Ghibli films go, for sure. It's it's a contender for 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 first place. It's I Ooh. thought it was a I thought it was so creative. Um, and without getting too far into it, because we'll get into it uh, through the episode, the idea of the castle fascinated me, oh, yeah. like beyond belief. I could not stop thinking about it. So also I'll leave it there for now, and we'll go into it. But I loved it. Also for our listeners, spoilers, baby. Oh yeah, yeah spoilers. they're everywhere. One hundred percent. Also, this is really not that new. And it's on HBO Max. <laughs> it's been up around your, for a minute. Up your life. <laughs> um, Caitlin, what about you? What's your uh, initial reaction? Um, my initial reactions to watching this was, it was not, I, I didn't connect with it at first. Um, my, I, I don't remember feeling really emotionally attached to this movie until I watched it with my sister right before... We were about to, she was about to move to Tokyo officially, and I was about to move to California officially. And sorry, Bethany, I'm sharing a personal story, but like I Shout remember out. we like watched that movie, and then we like were having a very like sister moment of like going to sleep and holding hands and like being like, precious. Life is happening right now. We love each other. And like, so ever since then, I've like watched that with a much different emotional context. Mm-hmm. And like, now it's shifted from like just being a sentimental thing to being like a relationships people growing thing. So it's 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 my view on the movie has changed over the years, but I just come to love it more as time goes on. And then you woke up your old Ajima. <laughs> yeah, one day I'm gonna be old old Sophie. <laughs> Getting old is hard. Tom, it is. Josh, I said Tom. Oh, I didn't hear it. It didn't, ah. it didn't, it didn't count. Um, so for me, uh, same way. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I watched it, I was like, whatever. And the thir- second time I watched it, it was because of a girl. She's like, oh my God, I love this. And I was like, yo, I like you. I'm going to try to watch this movie. <laughs> and then. Wow. I, I mean, no, no. I watched it on my own. So I could be like, all right, next time I talk to her, I'm going to be like, yo, I, t- I watched you this movie. You did the homework. Yo. You know, I'm, yeah, I, I try. I try. Um, anyway. So, and then I will say this. And I've said this before. And I'll say it again. In terms of the pantheon of directors and then even the smaller fraction of auteurs, you know, Wes Anderson is one person that his style will never be, like, unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. And Miyazaki plays into that field in a way where it's, like, knowing when the film came out is very important. Right. And knowing that this was after Spirited Away and then knowing at what time the world and the war on terrorism was going on. And then what that context was. So when I watched it this time, knowing all that information you know, prepare, in preparation for the episode, I was like, <gasps> oh, <laughs> this, this, <laughs> I understand. It all makes sense. Uh, now. Neurons <laughs> just going off in your brain. Like, and, oh. so, and, but I mean, I mean, there was always that like, oh, it's Christian Bale. I got to watch Batman in anime. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. But then like, and so watching, I remember I was like, isn't it kind of creepy? Isn't there some scary things in there? And I was like, okay, cool. Da, da, da. And then I was watching this and I was like, oh. And so that's why I'm, I'll say like, there are there are great directors, but there are a few that are like phenomenal because they want their films to be about something. Mm-hmm. And um, this one, even though like, quote unquote, it got like more critical divisiveness because it was about something. Um, I I think it's one of the more important films in the last 20 years because it it, it 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 touches on subjects and it's a little allegorical where 
you can kind of fit it into any time frame, so it loses specificity, but also that means it has a timeliness to it for all ages. Um, because it's not just for a kid, it's not just for the adult. You can enjoy for both, and you just need good story elements to do that. So I um, enjoy it. It's not in my top... I have a number one Ghibli film, so I'm like, that, that will never go away. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, a t- it's a top one. I mean, I think that's always within the conversation of, like, the Ghibli films. So, uh, Josh? Nice. Um, this actually was my first Ghibli film that I ever saw. Um, <gasps> back in, like, so it came out in 2004. Um, I remember, I believe I was working at the video, a video store at the time. And when I saw it, like, it was one of those, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to see this because there was a lot of hype even then. And I saw it. It was, again, my first Ghibli film. And I think it 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 is my favorite Ghibli film. Um, I've always really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was the last time I had seen it was then. So seeing it again this time, it was like, oh, I remember why I like this so much. Uh, there was just <laughs> so many fascinating aspects of the story, the design of it, the castle, like you said, Corey, it is fascinating. Um, it's such a cool concept. Um, and then, I mean, it's just the, the colors of it, the environments, um, the whole I want that door, man. I know. I really want that door. That would be (laughs) so cool. Like, it's aesthetically or fantastically? Fantastically. Like, I want to just turn a knob and be like, all right, I'm in Denmark. Cool. Yeah. Let's do this. A show with kids. I would want that beard and hat. It's <laughs> pretty dope. Just oh the, yes, the cloak. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I mean, that's the cool thing what they did with magic, but also like the film is just really done well. Where they they melange like magic is beautiful and wonderful, and flying is a grace. Where the man made uh, industrial version of those similar feats are this rust, you know, you know drab and you know decrepit you know versions of that um which draws a really wonderful contrast and i think you know hayao miyazaki does that really well just to create wonderful backgrounds and sets mm-hmm. um to really give you the vibe of like you know if you a go lived in where, where you are well it also lived in but also like um um with totoro where it's like you go out to the to the to the you know, countryside. countryside it's beautiful and then mm-hmm. if you go into the city side he can make a city look beautiful or he can make a city look bad like, yeah, but it's also the it's colors. Just, like the, it was just the the city. It reminded me of. Um, I went to Italy like three years ago, and there is a little island, and you've seen it in movies. And like, if you search uh, Italy, oftentimes you'll find this. It's this little town on an island that is like every house is a different color. Um, oh, it's you? very color, a uh, very colorful. I think it's um, ba- ba- Baruna. Uh, it starts with a B, um, but it's a very uh, beautiful town, um, and they—I'll uh, find it and all. But it's it just even the roofs are different colors, and it's just it's, and of course it's Italy, so there's there, it's very close to Venice, so there's lots of water. Um, but the town was so in this was so bright, so colorful, um, yeah, it was just super super cool, super cool. Uh, so Henry, now we, we're talking about our favorite parts, but I do want to know why this one of your favorites. What 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 is it about this that makes it like? I think what 
there are so many things that I love about this movie. <laughs> I think the idea of the fantastical has always baffled me and intrigued me. So watching it within such a normal setting was is something that I, I love reading in books, but I've never seen um, in animation. Not not really anyway, unless, I mean, Roni Kenshin is like, like really not I mean, not there's a guy time. who's like burned on fire who's still fighting and his sword catches on fire too. <laughs> I know, but it's not fantastical. Like you're flying no, and you're enjoying yeah. it or someone's like, It's a you historical know. piece in a sense. I mean, this is. Exactly. I never yeah. seen. I never seen no one. No one with red long hair jump fifteen feet in the air. I'm just true. <laughs> it happens in Japan. There are guys with really long red hair. <laughs> that sounds gangster. <laughs> um, but yeah, not in the fantastical sense of you know, like a scarecrow that comes to life. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Exactly. I mean, Wizard of Oz. It's different. Like I just hadn't seen an animation put together a world that I had maybe thought of in my dreams, you mm-hmm. know? And so seeing that and then how flamboyant Howl is and not ashamed of it, this idea of beauty. And I'm, I'm a girl, I grew up insecure. And um, the, I, the idea and how they address it, Sophie refuses to see it and Howl constantly craves it. Um, how he falls in love with the witch of the waste who obviously is not attractive. Like, so... What did he see in that? Was it the power? Is that beauty? Like, there's so many questions to be asked. And the the best line is like, you know, when he finally gets... I'm just spoiling all of no, this. No, it's spoiler. <laughs> spoiler territory at this point. Spoiler country at this point. Spoiler away. <laughs> my my favorite character is Calcifer because oh. he's like the heart of it. Literally. literally. <laughs> Sounds and, right. And yeah, and when he gives... Howl back the thing that he's been without, which allows him to be so brutal about all of the, the things he sees and feels. Um, he like, can barely get up. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you finally understand that this is hard as a heavy burden. And that's like my favorite line Oof. in the whole film. Because it is. And emotions are hard. And when you have to when it's hard and you have to deal with them, even if you have magic, it's hard. Doesn't make it easier. I've, yeah. yeah, but there's that flip side of the coin is that we would rather have that than not feel at all. Because it's a gift. Yeah. But it's, it's that like whole, like no matter how strong you are, if you if you fall on the ground, does it make the ground any softer? Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah. I also um, love how uh, precious they, they treat like kind of the heart and, and Calcifer. Like there's that scene where Sophie is um, taking the heart from the witch and she's instead of being forceful about it, she's being very gentle about it. And, understanding. And, and understanding. And that's how, instead of, it, it's that that cliche of like, if you love something, let it go. And like the, the, the witch has to let it go. And she's being mm-hmm. very gentle of like, we need to take this now. And, and, and so it's... And it, even unrealistic though, if they, there wasn't a bit of a... Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where it comes a little like fairy tale wise where like, I mean, it is a little beautiful just to, teach children that kind of lesson of like love your love thy enemy right and it's kind of like understand where they're coming from and even though at the end of the day like all the bad things happen is because of the uh witch of the waste and it's like you know sophie that's a miyazaki trait though yeah. he's inspirited away you know um she takes the heads <laughs> and yeah. the baby oh and no face like and... thing where yeah they, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, no, not no face, but also no face. The witch oh, uh, oh, swaps oh. him around and does the magic yes. on them. Yeah, with the baby makes him one of the heads. And with also with the rat. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing where it's like, even though as vile and disgusting, and it's all because of the witch's greed, um, mm. If it's easy to villain, vilify and demonize them, but then to understand them and see like, they, this person that's, you know, the quote unquote causing antagonistic forces to happen is a person too. And we just need to be able to identify it. It's like, you know, I call, I forget what it's like, self, uh, Shakespearean self-awareness where characters don't know they're in a story. But then mm-hmm. once you're able to identify like, th- this is who you are in the story, then it's like, then you can then empathize and then hopefully, you know, cure it with love in a way. But it's, it's interesting it was very interesting. I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of cool because it's not like because the entire time like there's this war and 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 Hal is being ravaged by it and like there's this like ticking time bomb feel of like if he can if he transforms again like this is what's going to happen and the end of the film the climax and the resolution isn't this giant battle between nations it's you know like um, an understanding of like the heart and ideologies so um, favorite parts anyone else. Mm. the origin story of how it was like when they went into the door and Aww. she got to see the the past and star it was just yeah it was those the when i say the colors like that sequence the colors they were so bright like for an animation it was just like it was almost um fluorescent and mm-hmm. like neon is the word that i'm looking for where it's just like so bright and and it just pops so much in those like little uh, like stars or whatever. I don't. I don't remember. The they were like stars. dancing. The yeah, star the people. Stars. Yeah, star people. They were. They. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite colors of like blue and green, kind of like a turquoise-ish mm. color, and just like the. It was just. It was super super cool looking. It was. It's a fascinating scene to watch over and over again because you're just like, there isn't a lot of dialogue to it either. It's just like you're watching this happen, and when it yeah. goes into his chest, it's just so bright, and then it just. And then comes out. Mm. Mm. Um, um, I have a bunch. I mean, yeah, the like thing the about whole movie? Question thing mark. About, <laughs> the thing about Miyazaki is he makes food look. I was gonna say we have to shout out the food porn. The, the food porn is stupid. When when Hal's making the breakfast and the bacon and uh, and the eggs and I just oh I literally had to pause it and go make food because it just it <laughs> made it look. The way he cuts the bread too. Yes, it's all so good and like. Every film, like especially like in Spirited Away, when the, when the parents are eating all that delicious, oh. delicious food that I do not blame them for eating because I would 100% be like, ah, it's kind of worth it. Um, <laughs> so that food, that, that scene uh, st- like stuck with me and I've I have not been able to recreate that meal yet, but I'm going to try. Uh, I think Binging I also, with Babish did it. Well, okay, yeah, okay hold on, he? hold on. Time out. Binging with Babish. No, 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 no. Time out. Binging with Babish, try to do it. Because I'll tell you right oh, okay. now, that, the quality of bacon that's in Howl's versus the bacon that ba- like Babish used, not the same. No, not, not the same. This ain't it, fam. This ain't it. That's not the same. Um, I also I loved the still love you the, the scene where she had cleaned his bathroom and he comes out with the red hair and he's oh. just so, so upset about how he's man. not beautiful anymore. <laughs> um, his hair. I just I thought that was. Because you experienced I, I thought that, that was right? hilarious. I think I'm supposed to laugh at that, but I did. <laughs> I uh, I thought that was a fantastic scene, and just you get that idea of who he thinks he is. 
where where his 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 worth is within how he looks rather than than how he Who acts, he which he learns throughout the throughout the film. Uh, that that scene stuck with me. Well, just, and, you know, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, and the beautiful thing, and like this is like a very simple but very effective usage of writing, where characters look one way at the beginning of the film and they look completely different at the end of the film mm-hmm. and it conveys change and growth. And so you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, of course they're different. But then you realize like the subtext behind it and you're like, oh, well, shit, why didn't I think about that? Um, and it's, it's very, it's very intelligent because like at first he's like flamboyant with his like cape and you know, he, he's got the blonde hair at the very mm-hmm. end. He's just like in a regular, like I, I call it the popper shirt and then like mm-hmm. oh, yeah. the black hair. And then she's just like shy and, and afraid, and she's young looking. But then at the very end, her like quote unquote ultimate self is shorter, silver hair, because um, she's accepted who she is. Yeah, and, um, yeah. The the her also um, her age changing throughout the film. Oh, it fluctuating back and forth. Yeah, well, because like I before I did like a deep dive into the symbology of the film and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for me, it was, it was like such a reflection of how she felt in those moments Yeah, that I, I loved that concept that it didn't necessarily reflect. The one that stuck out to me is when she's talking to the, uh, Solomon, Solomon, right? the, uh, um, the, which the, yeah. And she just sees that bit of who she truly is and how she feels about how, uh, that was such a like whiplash moment that I had to rewind it and watch it a couple times. But I love playing with that idea of getting the glimpse of of how she's truly feeling or how she she feels in that moment, depicted by her age and how how we see her in that second. Uh, and I thought that was just a a really beautiful usage of of imagery. Man, Jalen, yeah. for me, the progression of. The castle. Because when Sophie comes in, it's a pigsty. And like, I, I'm always going to love Miyazaki cleaning montage things. Like, <laughs> I'm always going to love it. I'm always going to love it. Because uh, a broom is like the most powerful weapon. And you could just push like tons of things for no. I'm like, that, that that's not physically possible. I mean. It, but it's great. It's wonderful. I Well, like, it's more of like the progression of like, uh, it's mirroring Howl and Sophie's like awareness of themselves too because like Howl is completely oblivious like he doesn't care about anything he doesn't think about anything Sophie is the one who comes in and is like she doesn't want to look internally so she's gonna use all of herself to clean his stuff that's the that's the helper thing where like you come in and you want to help everybody you want to help everybody so she's like like I'm an old lady you know don't worry about me. I'm going to worry about you. So then she cleans the whole uh, apartment and then she's mm-hmm. like helping Calcifer and, and like brightening his day by giving him logs and like, you know, slowly but surely Howl is like becoming more aware of her and like how he feels about her and like the effects of like dyeing his hair and everything. Like they they basically like are forced to start intersecting more and more and then like there's really nothing more for so if you did do, and then when Hal changes the house to accommodate more for her, she worries. Yeah. So like That's he makes the house bigger. He spends like a week cleaning the house, and then a month later he like changes the whole thing. Right. Yeah. 
Oh my god, I thought that. about that. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so you could have cleaned it from the start. You could have cleaned it magically like this. Uh, but well, he just didn't have that kind of an awareness or care. And right. she's the one who helped him acquire that. But even then, like, through... Uh, they're, they're, I mean, this whole movie is basically like two people with all of their baggage coming in, intersecting. And like, thankfully, their baggage like works itself out with each other. And and helps them discover each other through helping each other. Like that's the ideal kind of situation for what a relationship could be of like, I'm coming in with my baggage, you're coming in with your baggage, we're coming together and dealing with it on our own, but also wanting to help each other. Like and in a non-toxic way. In a non-toxic way. Yeah. And the Witch of the Waste is like that perfect example of like. That was how I used to handle things, and it didn't really go well. And that's still kind of following me around a little bit. <laughs> I will say, yo, shout out to the Witch of the Waste for finding out that little that bug, though. That was like, damn, what a gangster. You know what I mean? She just knew. She's like, I she played this game. But also, I'm wondering if that bug was planted. By her? By her to, well, like, Solomon knew that she was going to smoke the cigar and also probably feed the bug to Calcifer. Because mm-hmm. um, then he couldn't protect the house during the bombing, so that Hal would be motivated to have to do something about it and stay in one place, and then fight for one specific kingdom. Yes, um, there's there's so many things, but uh, and also like I know uh, Hanera, you're reading the book right now. I just actually read the the Hal's Moving Castle that it was this movie was based off of, um, and it's very different, very, very, very different. I mean, it. Similar. It's like similar. Yeah. The the, the main feeling. are there, but it's they, they made it like Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It it was very like um there's like love and you find out more about the black door and like there's there's love. a lot of uh subtle nods to everything. Um but there's it's it's so different, but and it's much darker. The characters in Miyazaki's film are well, much more noble. <laughs> I was gonna say British literature especially at that time, is very, like, all the fairy tales, the real fairy tales, like Cinderella's stepsisters cut off half their feet to fit into the slipper, yes. and somehow the prince doesn't notice it till the slipper fills with blood. blood. And, like, so it, it it's definitely... Very a, casually, too. Yeah, very <laughs> casual. Like, all the grim fairy tales are just that. They're very I, grim. I wouldn't say the book is that dark. It's, right. it's no, no, just, I'm just darker it's, than this one. <laughs> it's very British. Yes. Uh, <laughs> The other thing I wanted to bring up was the bittersweet story of Turniphead because what breaks the curse is true love's kiss, Mm -hmm. meaning that he was in love with Sophie. But because he's such a good guy, he's like, you know what? It's cool. I'm going to go into this war. Thanks for changing me back. Yeah, they brush that off and it's just like heartbreaking. It is. When you like when I heard I was like, oh, no, because (laughs) I watched it this time. I was trying to get at that. His poor heart. Which the waist was trying to she's get. She's trying in. to get. She's like, oh, I'm gonna be a rebound. What's up? See you yeah, around, yeah, yeah. big boy. Oh, you a prince? Mm. Uh, but I just that his so whole <laughs> every time he's on screen, Turniphead, I was filled with joy. Like yeah. I think I know we'll get into it later, but I think he might be my favorite character in that. If if they were going to do a live action, I don't see anyone else playing him other than Alan Tudyk. I do, oh my god! <laughs> I do want you to know this is mild spoiler, but not too much spoiler in the book. Mm-hmm. Turnip Head is a like Freddy Krueger. Like yeah. he's horrifying. Hell yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's but not you, fun and whimsical. So Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I will say one thing. Also, shout out to uh to Sophie. 
Because you know what? Mm. When she gets turned into an old lady, that's the first thing I would have done. I'm like, all right, my parents can't find out. I got to sneak out. I got to figure this out by myself. Because it's like, it's I, I so got like transported back as a child of like, when you messed up or something bad happened, it's like, the worst thing that can happen is your parents worried about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like and when they like, call oh, you and you go, first off, I'm okay. <laughs> and they, they're like, I just want to say, mom, I love you. Uh, thank you for everything. And now listen, this is what's going on. I got into a car accident. <laughs> it's really bad. I'm okay. Yeah. But it's okay. That's the important part, right? Yeah. Right. Um, uh, do we want to do favorite, favorite characters now? Yeah. Hanary, Hanary gave one. Yeah. Um, Calcifer? Calcifer, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I also wanted to say before I forget that the whole house thing when he like rebuilds the house and I was like, oh, why did she clean the whole house then? <laughs> and then I realized that um, the only reason that he's put up with Sophie is because she's told him as a kid to wait for her. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And that, that, ti- that very short time travel just like changes the whole, whole movie. Thing. Yeah. And the very first thing that Hal says to Sophie before he even knows her is, I've been looking everywhere for you. You, yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, have you heard of, um, oh, I forget what it's, I think it's called gin particles. It's a science term, okay. gin particles. So let's, I forget. Like, like the genie, like gin? It's J-I-N, I think. Okay. So I think the, the example is used. So let's say like, um, Caitlin, you and I are like in love, right? And I give mm-hmm. you a watch. I'm like, this is my favorite watch. And then I die. And then you're like, oh my God, I miss Tom so much. And then you make a time machine and then you go back and then you see like young me. And then you give me the watch. So where did the watch uh-huh. come from? And so like, oh. this is like, what happened first is like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, did, did, was she always in love with Hal or was Hal always waiting for her? Right. And it's cause uh. like, no matter what, like, She's always going loop. back in time. It, it's yeah, it's it's a gin particle. So that item now is it's the, not the part the Harry of time Potter space. Patronus thing. Patronus. Oh thing? yeah. When, yeah. Oh yeah. It's like who who's no spoilers for that. <laughs> we already did an episode on. We it. We already did it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's like oh what who who what mm. mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting. Um, so no, but Hanary, so you have Calcifer. Who's your second character? Second favorite character. Um, probably Sophie. Yes. Yeah. So typical. She's a, she's a warrior. She's a go-getter. Like, getting turned that old so quick and like pretty much dealing with it in a matter of minutes and being like, okay, this is life now. Um, I'm going to go and I'm going to eat some bread and cheese and go on a hike. Yeah. Like pushing herself. That's kind of how I deal with my life too. Yeah. I'm not. As strong, but it's more of just like, all right, how do we deal with this? What right. do we do? I thought you were like going to be race- like, I get bread and cheese and go on a hike. <laughs> the the race up the stairs, one of my favorite <laughs> scenes by far. Just giving the witch shit the entire time that she it, she too is struggling, but like still giving me like, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it if you go that fast. Like you got to try harder than that. Uh, I respect that. I respect Sophie. And I mean, that. also the fact that... Uh, the scarecrow pumpkin turnip head man um, fell in love with Whiplash. her. Whiplash. Fell in love with her, you know, in her older state because of mm-hmm. who she was. And was just like, I'm going to figure this out. And it's like, if you want, make me a stick or make me a walking stick. And then he finds one. And then it's like, all right, peace out. And it's just like. I also I also think that the scarecrow was under a, under magic where he could see who Sophie was. Because, yeah, people see magic. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's why he was like, oh, it goes beyond this and mm-hmm. I can look beyond this. Mm, true. Mm-hmm. True, that, true that. Um, Yeah, Turniphead is probably my first favorite character. Just the subtext of his entire story is is so bittersweet. Um, and the fact that he just takes it and is like, all right, yeah, I'm going to end the war. Uh, good guy. Second uh, favorite? I think I have to go with Sophie as well. I I can't. Her resilience and her, no matter what happened to her, just being able to be like, I'm going to take the punches and keep going. And I know I can do this. And if I'm old forever, that's so be it. I'm still going to help these people and try to make Hal's life better and Calcifer's life. But like, it's, it's, she I wish. Everything. Yeah. I wish I had that. <laughs> I need to work on, be more Sophie. That's what I learned. Uh, Josh. Um, is there an echo in here? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, Sophie is my number one for all the reasons that have been, um, I just, I also love that she was so strong, but she was also like that scene that I was talking about with the witch in terms of taking back the heart of just being so gentle and kind of Mm -hmm. intuitive, um, in that sense. Um, and I really liked Markle. I, I love. Mm. I just thought he was every time he was on scene. Like at first, he he seemed so like so. There was such a wall, and then he just became such a friend of like. Yeah. It, he's and, like, don't clean my room next. Yeah, yeah. save it for last. <laughs> the the beard and the cloak thing. Like, yeah. Sophie, you can't leave us. Yeah, You're not leaving, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my heart. <sighs> but also, movie. how custom he got to the filth at the garbage. Like, you got enough room over there? I was like, oh god. It's like, which fork do you want? <laughs> They're all nasty. <laughs> uh, Kaylin? Um, Sophie's the obvious choice for me. Um, I, I feel like I relate a lot to a lot of the things she deals with in a different way, obviously. You I'm don't make magic hats. to be uh, 90 years old. No, I don't make hats, but I did sell them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and second, honestly, is going to be Howl. Which feels like a generic choice, but it's it's like uh, I've been around a lot of people who don't recognize things about themselves, and then like seen a lot of people who either do recognize it and change or don't. And so I, I like him for um, being that representation of growth. Um, and special shout out to Solomon because that bitch is terrifying. But she's also, <laughs> I, I I really liked how she came around. She's the end. kind of impartial. Yeah, she's impartial, sense. and she created a war because she wanted to talk to Howl, and she mm-hmm. made tiny mini clones of him to wait on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then turned one into a dog. And then when Howl the like when she saw that like things were fine, she's like, "All right, we're turning the war off." I'm sorry, you don't like girl boss power. That's no, I, she I, I'm shouting I her point. out. Yeah, because she's terrifying. I was gonna say, I think that it's the opposite, Tom. Yes, it's like <laughs> remarkable to me. Not that's not like, terrifying oh, to me. Gross. I'm like, mm, how do I get some of that? But it's all. I mean, well, like, it's also Tom. I mean, not to create a whole debate here, but it's not something you would see in in American cinema either. No. Uh, that would just, be a dude. That would I, be a dude. I think they tried. They just, I think they, they tried. Just, like, casually brushed off Turniphead's like, oh, I'm in love with the main character. And also Solomon is like, oh, I crafted this war, but we'll shut it off. Like, mm-hmm. time for this war to end. There's two things that's like, hop, 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 well, I mean, you, it's, hold on. 
That's just it's just crazy. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's Miyazaki as well talking about the fickleness of war as well of like how it's just the pointlessness. A, a whim of, you know, someone who's in power who can just be like, "Ah, oh, let's let's do a war. Ah, oh, let's not do a war." And it's always for, you know, the, they never suffer. And it's always right. the people, yeah. you know, the the bystanders, the civilians, the soldiers. Um so I'll get into to mine. Um it's copy-paste uh Sophie and Hal. And Sophie, and I've always bring this up, and I'll bring it up every time. It's because Miyazaki female characters aren't always just princesses needing to be saved by a prince. And also, um, Howl. Um, and one thing I really enjoyed is uh, is the aspect of him when he goes out at night and he fights um, the the other um, wizards and sorcerers. It's he uh, he says they're going to regret doing that because they'll never mm-hmm. be able to go back. And it's that sacrifice of their humanity to do that. And it's something that he's always, you know, battling with of every time I go out there, I come at less human or less me. Um, and also shout out, you know, Christian Bale, baby. You know what I'm saying? I got to when when <laughs> Spirit, Away, when Spirit, when Spirit Away came out, he literally said, I will voice any character you want me to voice. Um, and so I've Spirit only had the, the, the dub experience. And I think I did the Jap, the, the sub version once, but like. His it's just interesting to hear Christian Bale be soft spoken and to be kind and gentle when you were expecting to be like, you know, Ruby or or Rar. I mean, even in Ferrari, Ford versus Ferrari, he's like, that's a stupid thing. You know, he's just like he's like an asshole to people in a way, but it's not like rude. Um, but uh, yeah, him doing that and just hearing him being gravelly. Bro, watch Newsies oh, yeah. and get back. <laughs> right, <laughs> hearing him being gravelly <laughs> one second and then like when he's telling Sophie to escape back to the castle. He's like, you're going to do this. This is a ring. It'll go over there. Like, I was like, wow, he's he's a nice guy. It's like, what a nice, <laughs> nice person. So pleasant. Um, so, yeah. You got to watch the dubbed version. I haven't in a really long time. It's, uh, it's, it's I good. like it. It's I mean. But I'm also nostalgia on that, on the yeah. dub. Yeah. Calcifer is Billy Crystal. I got to give a shout yeah, out to Billy, Billy Crystal, Crystal, man. He got I all- love Billy Crystal. He got to see him play this part. It's a, it's a very different. I mean, it's still funny. But it's not the same kind of like humor Over that he top. usually does. It's it's really well done. Yeah. John, John Lasseter had to conference call to direct him via TV. Wow. And I was like, that's oh. how much they were like, we have to make sure Billy Crystal. Because I think this is right after Monsters, Inc. When it came out. In the oh, States. really? So, wow. And so they were like, okay, Billy Crystal is like Disney royalty at this point. And then they were like, okay, now you're going to be into Howl's Moving Castle. They're, but, they're, that's what I think last year said. Like, if there's one person who could bring the heart of Calcifer, it's Billy Crystal for the American But Oscar. you also have like wow. like Hollywood royalty, like Gene Simmons playing old sit Sophie yeah, and Lauren Bacall, Witch of the Waste. Um, I mean, that's like Hollywood royalty. Like, yeah. You look at their credits and you're like, oh, damn. Like, yeah. And this was Gene Simmons' last thing that she did, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so her last big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, um, favorite characters, favorite parts. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this episode up with Housewind Castle? I don't think any qualms exist. So no, no qualms <laughs> exist. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't well, really it's not any. my favorite Ghibli movie. Wow. <laughs> no, you're done now. <laughs> you go. <laughs> Wait, I do have like. There's a scene yeah. that really confuses All me. Right, let's talk. right? Shoot. There's actually two scenes so the one where he like is really he like 
turns into green slime and Markle's like, oh, he does this every time he gets dumped. Mm -hmm. But we don't really see any evidence of him being like a flirt. In the book, he is, but... Big time. In the movie, it just never comes across. Like, it seems like... It's in background. Exactly. It's it's all the girls like, (laughs) Because it really only is time... All he has time for is to fight and to come back and sleep. Yeah. Like, that's all we really see. Um, Aside from him and Sophia. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it was... It was just like one of those nods to the book of like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I think... I think also it's kind of one of those like, there's so many... There's so much movie in one movie. And it's kind of like if they were going to add to show like he just got out of a relationship or like having the witch of the waste be his ex, I think it's supposed to be also in terms of like how long he's been a playboy. Well, I, I think of like OG Asian sensibilities of like, you know, like at least for me back when I was watching, uh, you know, Japanese dramas and K-dramas, no one kisses until the season finale, baby. And so like relationships is very sacred. And so hearing how like, oh, he, you were with her? And then it's like, it's one of those, ooh, so like who else has he yeah. been with? It kind of like one story is the inference that you need. They're like, oh, he's been with people. Yeah. You know, instead of like, oh, you're right. not just married and happy. <laughs> um, what was the other, what was the other co- confusing scene? It's not really confusing. It was more of just like when she runs into, <laughs> she runs into that um, doorway. The black that's door? Room. Is that? I mean, again, I haven't read that part in the book, but it's just like initially when she walks in, he has all these like things. Oh, to, oh when he's, a, when he's like a giant, when he's a giant monster thingy, and it's got all. But then when yeah, but then she runs in and it's just like this ho- black hollow, and then he's just there as his self, and he can't change back. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first time that she tells him she loves him, and then she wakes up in her bed. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, excuse, excuse me, what? <laughs> oh yeah, it. it- it, it took me a while to it, it, realize, like, I feel like they could have communicated mildly more that that was a dream sequence. Hmm. Um, but was it? That's, that's what I'm saying. But was it? I think <laughs> it was. Because you see his actual room, and it's same. It's, like, not the same, but it's just as hoardery, where he's got a bunch of beautiful gems and things around him. But it's, like... Like, he could have been that big animal and just... I mean, we could always go. I mean, he, we see him change the castle sure. before or after. So I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just, I need room for this form. I'm going to change the castle to be this thing. Based on so I can fit in here. that he's got to like move Calcifer and do like a whole ritual. I don't think, I think Fair. that is just a dream sequence because that would take too much magic for him to change that much. Yeah. So I do but think it was a dream, are- but. Still kind there of are the, for gems, the whatever gems and stuff like on the walls, like that's true. Walls. So I'm, th- I mean, that's just the scene that baffles me because it's just like such, it's like Miyazaki's like creaking the door open. And ringing, Beep! Nope, never mind. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not. going through Sophie's experience. Yeah. Maybe she's also still baffled. <laughs> uh, she figures it out at the end. Guys. She gets a taste what she's thinking she gets the dude (laughs) we gotta we gotta do the book at some point there's just so many i'm so excited for you to finish reading it henry because like oh i'm close there's there's so there's so much it's not even that long right it's it's not you could read it in a like if you were really industrious you could read it in a day i think probably 
and it took me a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you could if you wanted. But uh, awesome. yeah, thank you for uh, coming on the show, Canary. It's been awesome. Yeah. Very uh, nice getting to so chat with you. So where, yeah. uh, when your new, so when and where do we, when will we find your new single? Oh yeah, it comes out <laughs> September 18th. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Uh, September 18th. It's my, it's the funnest song to do because it's the most conversational song. So you can give it to any fuck boy you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. Or any girls that know any fuck boys, which means it's just really relatable. Um, <laughs> but people also don't say what they mean. So, you know, why didn't you say so? Uh, it comes out September 18th on all music platforms. So. Is there any way that people, do you like pre-save it on Spotify? Like what? how, how can people keep an eye out for it? We are going, uh, I am going to put a, a pre-save link out on my Instagram and my Facebook. But the fastest way to get all the links is on my Linktree link on Instagram. Okay. Which is at Itinary, I-T-S. Give us all the socials. N-E-R-I. I mean, it's all at I-T-S-H-A-N-E-R-I. It's an Itinary. If you type Hi. that in Google. Hi. It's <laughs> yeah, that's the website too. <laughs> And, exactly. Yeah. And Twitch. <laughs> yeah. And do we have a, a title for the song for people to keep an eye out for? Yep. Why didn't you say so? Boom. September eighteenth. Why didn't you say so? Check it out. Yeah. Dope. Can't wait. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to hear it. Oh. This is a blast. Oh, thank you for being as fun on. as I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show. No, thanks for having me. Sweet. So nice to meet you. Nice guys. to meet you. Nice to meet you. Come as back well. for Kenshin. Yes, please. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Yes. <laughs> Back to you, Josh. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's going to rain. Uh, but that was an awesome interview. It was, uh, it was great. It was uh, nice to get a little bit of the tidbits of Henary's uh, career, but also to get into the nerdy bits. I love that. When uh, yeah, That's what it I love has, about our show. Talk, it's been so about. hard to not talk about. Like, we, like being friends with, Hanary and being a fan of Hanary, we we actually watched the movie together, and then like started talking about it. We we're like, no, 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 save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. You just <laughs> did what we do to you all the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know, and I got mad at Tom about it once, so uh-huh. he's gonna hold yeah. that over my head. Fact. <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah, but it was yeah. great. But uh, everybody she comes back for Kenshin. Yeah, yes. boys, watch out. She's yeah, for you. Uh, hide, hide, hide your fuck out. boys, hide your fuck girls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's coming. Uh, everybody, do make sure to check out her single "Why Didn't You Say So." Coming soon. It is coming soon. Um, and check out all of her social media. We will put all of that information in the posts uh, in the description mm-hmm. of this episode. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you all. Uh, do share us with your friends, your family. Uh, stop by our website if you are brand new to NerdOn check out that website NerdOn.tv it has all of the information of everything that we do um, our other shows um, we stream on Twitch we do a lot and all of that information is on our website uh, all social media is NerdOnTV uh, so wherever you like to go search NerdOnTV and we there did. we are and send it to uh, your local fuckboy <laughs> mm, no. um, do stop by rate and review we us do. that kind of stuff really does it not only helps us grow but it's actually a really exciting time for us because when we get a review we share it with each other and, and like oh my god did you see what they said it's amazing please um, it helps Red us grow review. um and tom just says not good enough yet 
Yep. We're not There's some sort of belittlement that happens. We have to be better. Uh, Man, everyone gets reviews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Everyone does. Well, yeah. anyway. that, that has been it. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. You know the drill. As always, Nerd On! Ending broadcast.